What's happening? This is Poder Podcast. Your host, Sergio Lagunas. On this podcast, we feature influential and powerful leaders with their own unique stories on art, music, education, and influence. So listen to these stories to find out their source of poder. All right, today we have with us a very special person. We have Stephanie Castellanos from Inglewood. Always up to a lot of good. Hi, thank you for having me today. Yeah, thank you for letting me showcase your story today. So we'll just jump right into it. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your background. Where, where do you come from? Uh, well, I'm, I'm excited that you actually get to visit my neighborhood today. <laughs> so I am from Inglewood. I grew up here. Um, my parents came in with their families in the 80s, actually. And so my entire family is from Inglewood. I mean, you can go like two blocks from here and find my tias and my tios and my abuelitos all here. And so I always start off saying part of myself and my identity is definitely the community that I identify and grew up in. To tell you a little bit more about myself and my currently so I am a Bruin. I went to UCLA. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm the first person in my family to go to college. So I always take a lot of pride in part of my identity also being a first gen, first to go to college, um, which a lot shaped a lot of the work that I'm doing now and my experiences. Graduated there uh, for a few years, try to figure out what type of meaningful work I wanted to be in. I always knew that the I was always like mission-driven person. Like whatever I did had to be something that I loved to do. I ended up going into from after-school programming to health education for youth to teacher recruitment to founding an organization that is now nationwide working to increase teacher diversity. And I'm, you know, simultaneously loving politics and really looking looking into getting to that work too. And I know I'm like throwing up, this is like a lot of work that I'm doing right oh, yeah. now, but it's all definitely interconnected. I recently, about half a year ago, started a new role with the Youth Policy Institute, which is a nonprofit organization here in Los Angeles doing work with the LA Promisone. And I am leading public safety initiatives to increase community safety in MacArthur Park. Okay. Yeah, so that just takes me where I'm at now, yeah. Yeah, perfect. That was very succinct. What is your current role right now? What is something that you're very proud of? So I am currently working on a Department of Justice. And when you think about Department of Justice, you're like, oh, definitely has, especially as of late, marginalizing, putting especially undocumented and communities of color at risk. And I'm working in MacArthur Park, where it's the largest concentration of Central Americans. You have a lot of recent Im immigrants who've come to the community. So you have a lot of different issues that are layered. And so what I'm doing there is particularly working on a grant, a million dollar grant in MacArthur Park to really shift one, the way that people feel about MacArthur Park and think about MacArthur Park. Have you been there before? So I'm not familiar. Yeah, uh, let me give you some background. Bit. Yeah, yeah okay. So I'm like, you're kind of looking at me like, what's MacArthur Park? Yeah. So MacArthur situation? Park historically has been, well, let me just give you a demographically or geographically where it's at. Okay. It is north of USC, right? So it's north where the Pico Union area, right before you get to downtown. So it is west of downtown. 
it is the second highest concentration of people or density of people here in Los Angeles. So it has about 100,000 people per three square miles. Wow. Um, so we are looking at a community, one, very lively. Um, a lot of people walk. There's a metro stop right there in MacArthur Park. But MacArthur Park is also a three square mile park in the middle of a concrete jungle, essentially. And so it's a beautiful green space that has been abused and has been the center of a lot of gang violence and the community has been the center also of a lot of life in the community, right? Like it is the center and green space in the community where people did go. But as of, and you know, this has also been an issue for quite some time as an undocumented community who has um, lacked a lot of traditional resources that they've been stripped of resources. When you have a community like that, this space be becomes and changes quite a bit. And what my work is doing right now, what I'm most proud of, is this grant gives you a one-year, it's a three-year grant, um, and how, we're, what we're thinking is it gives you a one-year to ask the question, who's not at the table? Who's traditionally not? Whose voice do we not hear? Who's Who traditionally doesn't create the plan for their community, their own community. So this year I've been organizing the community to really provide us one, how do they feel about their community, police presence in the community, um, really shifting the way that those interactions are in the community at that park specifically, um, but also it's Rampart Division. And so historically Rampart Division and LAPD has an ugly background, um, an ugly truthful background that we know about. And so they're not going anywhere and so what we want to do is make sure that they're at the table too so that we can shift practices in ways that they interact with the community too so i think i'm most proud of the last six months there because we've really been able to get hundreds of community members just fired up to make change in the community and take back their community wow this is a lot of work that you've been putting into this community and mm -hmm. tell us about your source of this power that you have uh, where yeah. do you find this source of poder yeah, I think the source of poder, that's a good question. And I was thinking about that when coming in to talk to you, I was like, what is my source of poder? The source of poder always changes. It always has hold true that my community and where I come from has really fueled why I'm so passionate about social justice. You know, seeing my brothers getting pushed out of high school um, and not complete it, seeing my mom not be the same thing, be a single parent, um, I think just seeing the challenges firsthand for me has fueled me to say like, there's others I need to, that can I pull up with me, right? There's others, other youth out there specifically. So I'm, my source of bullet is really around youth empowerment. And I think that comes from my community where I come from. And then right now, in a day-to-day -day though, because be doing this work can be sometimes triggering, sometimes draining. I think my Sosa Porlet is really the one-on-one -on -one conversations that I have with community members about their lives. Like it, it completely has changed, sh shifted, like an entire paradigm shift that I've had around what community organizing is. It's different. So I, 10 years ago, as an undergrad at UCLA, I organized in MacArthur Park. Um, that was one of my first internships experiences ever. Um, and I was doing tenant rights uh, organizing with Unión de Vecinos uh, in Boyle Heights and in, in Calinos Unidos in Pancarta Park. And coming back 10 plus years later to the same community and seeing how much 
one, how some things are, didn't change, but then seeing how much did change, um, and some for the better and some not necessarily. I think that gives me also the bullet, like coming back to the place where I've seen this transition. Okay, and right now, do you have a role model, a mentor that has been guiding you yeah. towards where you are right now? And Yeah, um, so I love, love my mentor. She, her name is Liz Garcia. My, one of my first opportunities out of college was working with uh, LA Unified School District, uh, their after school program, LA's Best. And I was a very young 22, 23 year old who did not really know what she wanted to do, but just knew she wanted to have social impact. And I come into this interview for this program supervisor position to manage multiple like sites. And I really thought that I wasn't gonna get, I was like, you know, I don't have management experience. I haven't managed a lot of people. I'm gonna be managing people. And here comes this late 20 something, you know, Latina, uh, and I walked in there and I was like, wow, she is, she looks so young to do this work. Like, how is she interviewing in, in a director position? And so I was like fascinated by her and her journey. And uh, Liz Garcia is, um, has been my mentor for about a decade. She's an, you know, uh, Harvard educated D1 athlete uh, here from the community. She is that person that you're like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about this job or I'm thinking about this, what do you think about this idea? And she's the first person that I ask or to see what, what her opinion is. So I think for me, she has been a role model, but also she's been a change agent. Like she left her job, her nine to five at 30 or 31 to go launch her own business um, and empower young women of color, young Latinas. To me, she's like everything that I hope one, one day I could achieve. And um, we've recently become much more thought partners. So how can we work together? So we, now I do a lot of the woke shops and she does a lot of training. So Okay, hold on. What is a woke shop? What is a woke shop? Uh, so a woke shop, which is a play on a workshop, a training. Uh, one, it's a safe space. So we really want to create safe spaces for students of color, by students of color. Um, but the other piece of workshops is really creating and building uh, skills to navigate one, white spaces, right? And when we think about for students of color, sometimes the fear of going into school or college and, and feeling overwhelmed and saying, wow, um, this I haven't been in this type of environment before and understanding how to navigate a network we have these workshops on the show Insecure. I don't know if have you watched the show Insecure before. I have no idea what. That okay, is. okay, I'm gonna get this is every season. I'm such an advocate for the show, but plug this. Here's a plug, and they're not paying me for this. <laughs> I promise. Um, Insecure is on HBO, but it's created by a black woman entrepreneur Issa Rae, who is also went to Stanford, and the show is about, and I think I think a lot of why she connects so much to a lot of people of color is because her show and her dynamic with her best friend Molly, who was another you know, black, successful, badass uh, woman, they're like young, they're millennials, they are the, you know, the idea that you can be sophisticated and ratchet at the same time. I call it sophista ratchet, right? Like <laughs> you are, you know, educated, school educated, right? There's a lot of different types of education. They're academically educated and they still are there and do work in their community. So Issa Rae is a nonprofit leader in Inglewood. So they, this is based out of Inglewood, the show. And Molly is a successful attorney, power attorney, and she's the only black woman at a firm. And so you get to see their friends 
emotions or dynamics, dating in a relationship, what happens, but it's so raw, it's real. And the reason why that's at the center of a series of woke shops, which by the way, is the most requested woke shop series. Like I go do these all over the country. This is the one that everybody wants to do is because it's what we live in, right? It's the idea right? Like you're, you live in two different worlds, especially if you're first generation or the first to go to college, or maybe you come from a community like Inglewood where one, there's a lot of beautiful things that happen in Inglewood, but there's also, uh, we're also an oppressed community by far, right? Lacking a lot of traditional resources. Well, and the NFL stadium is coming, but that's another thing. The workshop is creating safe spaces, but also building skills. So we have workshops that cover uh, we, we play clips of what happens in Insecure, then we break those down, have conversations, and then we have some activities on how to navigate those spaces. Um, I mean, I've done these workshops at like LA Trade Tech, um, we've done these for high school students, we've done these for uh, superintendents of schools, we've done these for teachers. And so it definitely is across the board a spectrum of, of people that we want to have these spaces. Okay, and then do you picture yourself as being an influencer in the community and globally maybe? Do you have people that look up to you that, or what have you heard from the community about you? Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know what I've heard from the community about me specifically, but I do know that um, I moved back a year, a little bit over a year ago, back to Inglewood. I was living in the Bay Area for a couple years. One, it was my first time moving away. Oh, except for the time I moved in Florida for the Obama campaign, but it was, I would consider myself definitely an influencer. And I think I intentionally wanted to come back to my community to hopefully provide some sort of support. Um, I, I always talk about the term hentification. Have you have you heard about the term hentification? Did you make that up? No, I did not make that up. That is not, I did not coin it, but we always think about the word gentrification. Right. Um, and the word hentification looks at the power of returning to your own community. So the people who have the privileges and access to resources to come out of the, quote, the hood. See, a lot of the times they always, and I knew this growing up, like stuff, you're gonna get out the hood, right? We got this idea that we're gonna leave the hood and leaving the hood is successful is, is the version of success but I think to me to be successful is and to be an influencer is to come back to your own community and bring resources tap into the knowledge tap into the network that you've been able to build since you quote left the hood to make the hood I wouldn't say better because I think the hood is already dope as it is I just think that again like bring back those resources and use that to empower people in the community so I hope I think I'm an influencer in the sense that I do social impact work um, I love politics and so I love the idea of influencing policy and changing policy um, but I think there's a lot more work to do when you come back to your community and hopefully that would be the type of influencer I want to be okay let's shift into that lane of politics mm -hmm. Where did you find uh, some the inspiration? When did you get involved in politics? Yeah. And why is that a huge part of your identity? Yeah, so I grew up uh, on people, for anybody listening from like Inglewood or this side, I grew up on Hyde Park side. And so during that time, there was, um, I didn't know much about politics, but I did have a neighbor who was the only city councilwoman sitting on Inglewood, in, in Inglewood. And we had a two-story, like a two-story back, like just like a big lot on mm -hmm. the back. And so she would ask to put her yard signs in her backyard. 
And so I would see these yard signs, every, you know, every election season. And her volunteers would come in, and I would talk to her, and she would ask me to come out and put some yard signs up in the community. And so that was like my first taste of just the idea of exploring what this is. What do you? Why do you need a yard sign for marketing? You know, like just even thinking about that to begin with. But I think that politics for me became more of an interest. I've always been interested in like government, but when I I think Obama, first of all, he was the first election that I could have voted in. And Obama, for me, shifted the way that I looked at um, politics, or politicians, I should say. And I organized for him here, his first election, and then I had the uh, privilege of, for the first time, I moved out of my hood, first of all. So, I mean, other than UC, I went to UCLA, which is 10 minutes from Inglewood, it's not even that far, from Inglewood to Westwood. Um, but I moved to Florida, to Broward County, to East Broward County, which is a swing county of Florida for his election and worked on his campaign. And uh, my experience as a field organizer on his campaign in completely changed the way, or my aspirations, I should say. The way that I looked at politics, um, but also how I saw myself in that whole scheme of things like I really thought like one day I'd want to run for office through I'm currently in a part of Latinas League California oh what's that it's a political action committee that um, not only um, wants to engage more Latina Latinos people to vote for Latinas but also get more Latinas elected into office and so we um, support financially but we also organize for Latinas as well and then I just finished Emerge California, which is a fellowship. Um, and, and for anybody who's interested in running for office, this fellowship was a game changer for me. Like it was a complete, not only um, just understanding the basics of things that a lot of women of color, Latinas, don't know how to even start like where do you even start running for office where do you apply what do you need like can anybody run for office right like, these are things that you ask and you don't even know where to go to find these things well emerge is um well it's a national organization under emerge america but emerge california is an organization that trains democratic women to run for office and people like the current London, London Breed, who is uh, who ran in mayor for San Francisco, a black woman. She's an alum. Uh, Kimberly Ellis, who ran for the California Democratic Party a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember her. An amazing um, African American woman leader. She also she was the executive director of the program for some time. So I'm excited because I feel like there's organizations out there supporting women to get elected. And people say, oh, it's a blue wave of women coming, meaning a democratic wave of women getting elected. But I just think it's a movement. Like women, we're not going nowhere. We're, we're, we're gonna get elected and we're gonna change the way things, cities run. All right. And uh, give us your last words of inspiration. Give us a message that you give out during your workshops. Yeah. Give us that message uh, to everyone who feels like they have no power. Yeah. So I've been interviewing people. I do look at a lot of resumes as a recruiter, as somebody who's like headhunts for different positions. And I always feel like people sell themselves short, that they don't understand their true like greatness and their light. Um, and part of that is um, always, one, we we weed ourselves out of, of positions, of opportunities. You know, like we look at a job description and think, oh, I might not have one of those bullet points, so therefore I won't even apply. Or, oh, this grad school program requires this score, the average is this score, they need this GPA, the average is. 
And so I always think we weed ourselves out. And by we, I mean a lot of like, especially Latinos, people of color. We always, I see this, this is why I focus on diversity and increasing diversity in social impact work. So my last words of motivation is um, that you have purpose hustle and you have something that self-education and uh, your own personal experiences that you can't read or teach in a book. Um, you can't learn in college or your, whatever you're doing. You can, like this is something that you already have, this hustle, this like to, to like um, my mom always said, ponte las pilas, like we have las pilas. You know what I mean? Like we have that. Um, and it's just a matter of really boom first. And this sounds very cliche, like believing in yourself, um, but really having a mantra every day for me uh, helps like some words that you tell yourself every day that are like uplifting or things that you do something that you write in your journal um, so that you can remind yourself that's one of the skills that I think you can practice what is your mantra well well actually this this changes quite Did a bit you want to share this <laughs> I don't know if I want to change my, my entire mantra because I don't usually share my mantra I say this to myself but it, it's something around uh, of knowing your poder in, in many ways of knowing your power um, of your resiliency, your grit. Um, these are different words that I have in my mantra. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. All right, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Poder Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Poder Podcast, the podcast con poder. Our audio engineer is Brian Navarrete. I am your host, Sergio Lagunas. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And don't forget to tell your friends.